0: Welcome to the Pater the Water Dog Saves the Planet Peace podcast. I'm so honored and excited to have Jesse Leonard as my guest on this first episode. Jessie is a poet, writer, artist, and van life adventurer, and can be found online at Stray With Me, and her website is straywithme.co. We recorded this about a year ago in January. Since that time, she's launched the Stray With Me studio with her beautiful naturally dyed products. I'm excited to launch the podcast with my daughter, Jessie Leonard. Well, hello, Jesse. Hi, Mom. (laughs) Hello, Avis. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining me for the first episode of the Pater the Water Dog Saves a Planet Peace podcast. So I thought we would just kind of start off with going over some of your travels. Um, Maybe just why don't you talk about what you've done since you graduated from college i thought maybe talk about your travels to india and then your trip to australia new zealand and fiji and then you live in a van you're doing the van life and just what maybe got you into uh, living the van life
1: yeah so after college i knew i wanted to do yoga teacher training in india because i took a course on the history of yoga I think it was my like last semester, I know it was the last year, but whatever it was I ended up getting me wanting to actually go to the country and experience that like rich history of yoga for myself because you can easily do a yoga teacher training in the states. It just I think it's usually more expensive, it takes longer, and then you don't get to enjoy that cultural aspect of yoga that I think a lot of people forget that it's things like 2000 years old or something. So the fact that you can really experience sort of how it was back then a little bit especially more the spiritual side because a lot of people in the states focus on the physical part of yoga and kind of dismiss um, or not really teach really the spiritual part of it so that was my first um, what's the word like entrance I guess into traveling and, and figuring out that I love to travel but I went there alone and knew I probably wouldn't find anyone who wanted to go with me. So why not just do it on my own? So after that, um, there were other countries I had on my wish list of where to travel. And Australia, New Zealand, and it was actually Bali, um, was on the list. And they're all so close. So I just bunched them together in a month. And I wish I spent more time in, uh, in New Zealand because it was way more beautiful than I ever thought it would be. But um, yeah, and when I was there... Australia is like huge for van life. It's one of the first places, they call it like combi life, I think it's combi with a k. But so it's like typical like VW buses that just go around the country. And it's a beautiful drive. But unfortunately, I didn't do it when I was there. But that's a huge thing people do is travel around Australia.
0: Did you learn that more when you had your van now? Or did that give you was that the start of kind of giving you the idea to the van life i knew
1: about it when i went there um and that was if i had more time and more money i would have rented a camper and done it but i knew i wanted to spend a lot of time in other places and i was really excited to go to bali so i was just hostel hopping and there was a couple people there that was that were like i think I, i think i was in adelaide and people were saying like oh yeah like we're taking a break we just drove from Sydney and we're about to, there's this one main road that a lot of people see, I think it's across the Southern coast that takes you all the way up the West or the East coast to Perth. And that's like pretty much untouched. Like there's no, not really any cities there. I think the last big city is Adelaide and that's like, you're kind of looking at Australia as if it's like an upside down heart that's in like almost the the peak on the, like where the two bumps come in Mm -hmm. and then all the rest of it until Perth, which is about halfway through on the East Coast, that's like, it's huge. It's probably from Texas to like DC almost. Like it's crazy how far it is. So it's all pretty remote. But so I heard of some people who are in the hostel, they were just stopping by to get to take a shower and um, probably do some wine tasting, but they, yeah, they were just on a stopover before they continued. And I think they're trying, they had like a little post up like, oh, if you want to come by, come join us and they'll cut our gas prices. Um, like do it and so I saw it and I was like oh that looks awesome but obviously I had other plans so I didn't do it but um, yeah I knew about it before going to Australia it's also huge in New Zealand like it's super fun in New Zealand because I think it's one of the best places for just pulling off on the side of the road and sleeping you don't need to really find um, Bureau of Land Management property or uh, like national forests to be able to camp Um, you can yeah just find a random road and pull off and you don't get hassled at all so
0: that's so nice Mm -hmm. I know when I I did the trip there uh, I met this woman that talked about this one campsite that it's all caves and it's not necessarily you know talking about the van life necessarily but you just uh, she said it was a good experience because they came up and she had her her children one or two children and the caves kind of looked full, but they kind of reorganized so that they could have their own cave. But mm. it sounds like nice. there's so many cool t- places to camp. Mm-hmm. And I know that you have had some travel anxiety from time to time. Did it? Did you have it when you went to India, or did was it really more on the? Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's kind of when it started. Um, it was just huge. Like I didn't really know much about culture shock, but between like the sleep deprivation from traveling, I had an overnight layover in Singapore and it was like eight hours and I couldn't sleep and I couldn't I think I was reading and that was one of the things I found that helped calm my travel anxiety it was was one if I could read novels or really exciting books that just take me out of my head and put me into that moment just reading and That's distracting a nice myself. Tip. Um and yeah, so it definitely started there and then once I got to the country it was just a huge change and I was shocked about how different it was and how fast-paced it was and all the like normal kind of etiquette rules we know is different so that was (laughs) the first time I'd ever really experienced that because outside of like us going to Mexico it's relatively similar like it's not that different Um, and of course we were like when we were young we were taking like buses and airplanes like I wasn't driving, because what I've heard, like, when you drive in Mexico, it's completely different from driving in the U.S., but, like, I wasn't exposed to that when I was young, so when I went to India, it was so scary, just not knowing what to do, and I was just super overwhelmed, so it's kind of where where it started, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it seems, you know, the fact that you knew you had that in India, but still, you know, pressed on and decided to do the other big trip, and then how... How much time was there in between India and and Australia? I I can't remember. I think it was a year year and a half. Okay.
1: Yeah, because I think it was 2016 for India and then 2018, like end of 2016 for India and then March of 2018. So just about a year and a half.
0: Nice. Or just under. So what made you uh, make the van life decision? What? what was going on that, you know, you decided to get it, and, and then did you have in your mind where you wanted to head initially, and that kind of thing?
1: Well, I didn't really have a plan of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to see. It was just, before it was on my radar, like years before, I think I was in college, it started gaining popularity, but I was just like, I haven't been out of the country at all. So, outside of Mexico, so I was just like, I need to get out and see other things and expose myself to new things. Um, so I had the travel bug in that way. But then I just got tired of, um, especially after, when I went to India, because everything's so cheap, you can stay in a really nice hotel for like $40 a night and be all on your own. But I was spending 45 50 a night at hostels in Australia because it's so expensive. And then when I went to Bali, it was... Very similar to India. I think I was spending $40 for a resort. Like, I had like a villa to myself, and I was spending, <laughs> it, I think it was like sort of their off season. So I was getting it super cheap, but it was awesome. So it just made, reminded me that, like, kind of the part with my anxiety is having a safe space makes me feel so much better where I can just, and I'm also introverted. So if I can retreat to some place that's mine, even if it's tiny, it makes me feel so much more comfortable. So when I started learning about that with the, with the aspect of van life, it was really attractive to me that I could explore the country and potentially like Mexico and Canada and I have my home with me and all my belongings. Because pr- everyone kind of says like van life is like backpacking on steroids because you're still minimalistic, but you're not just traveling in a backpack. You have a lot more gear with you and all your stuff. To kind of, because I know a lot of people who do four seasons in van life, so it's a lot more like snow gear and things like that. But they can carry it all with them um, because you have more space. So that was really attractive to me. And uh, yeah, I was just kind of noticing. I just it was exhausting traveling by plane, and I didn't think I could ever be that person that would forever be hopping on planes or trains. It just didn't sound comfortable to me, and. I liked the idea of doing like a fast-paced, like month-long trip, like I had done before. But everything else, like with van life, I can move as fast or as slow as I want, and that's really nice. Where I can take, if I love a place, I can stay, and I have the flexibility that I can just have my home with me. I don't have to book a hotel. Like if I feel like I really want some something more stable, I could book a campsite for a night and get a shower and all those things. But it's not necess- a necessity because I have everything with me and I can, like, fill up on water and go out in the forest and be off-grid for up to two weeks and not be bothered. Um, or, like, I mean, recently I've been staying in Oregon. That's been where I've been hanging out the most and kind of call that, like, home because it's just so comfortable and everyone I know is there. And
0: it's, That's you know, nice. Mm-hmm. So going, going back, you... Um, I know what you were doing for work, but why don't you talk a little bit about... if. Uh, what you were doing for work, and maybe what you studied in college, and and then you know when you how you found your van and and kind of the build yeah. part of it.
1: So I studied environmental studies and minored in biology in college, and when I graduated, I knew if I got a job in my field, I would kind of hit the rat race and just not do what I wanted to do, and or like in terms of traveling. So I got a job at a winery and was making really good money. And with the off season, it was great because I can go off and travel for a month, and they'd happily take me back after. And that was awesome. And I think I was making most of the money for the year in the harvest season, anyway. So it was really great to have like a full time job when I needed it, and then yeah, just take off for a month and still have a decent amount of savings. And for the most part, I could pay for most of my trips with my tips. I just save them and. Um, keep them in an an envelope and then cash it in for tickets and things when I needed to. Um, And then, what was the question going off into the van life?
0: Yeah, how long did it, you know, when, maybe one question is, when you decided to get a van, how long did it take you to find it? And then, how long did it take you to, to build it out? And kind of maybe, how did you decide to pick what you picked?
1: Okay, so... I think once I decided that I wanted to live in a van, it took me, That was I think I was working at the winery three years at that point, or three and a half years, and I think once I decided, it took me three months to find it, and I'd gone between different types, first thinking I could do it in a low-top cargo van, like one of those Ford Econ lines that you see everywhere, and then... I started realizing how small they are, like, not being able to fully stand up. Um, And then there are these really cool campers that are, like, the length of one of those vans, but you can stand up and has this, like, bubble top. Everything's already built into it. I was probably going to tear out a lot of it, but it would have a lot of space. But those were really hard to find, and anything I found got um, sold from under me when I was like, since I was working weekends and that's when everyone was trying to sell their van and show it off. And I could only go, I'd have to like take a Sunday off. And by the time I took the Sunday off, they're like, Oh, sorry, we sold it. So once that was all happening, I found these other vans, I think they call them like conversion vans because they're like kind of road trip vans where you can, the original interior is that the bench seat in the very back can be folded into a bed. And then there's two like captain's chairs in the middle usually a spot for a TV over the driver and passenger seat so that like the kids in the back can watch a, watch a movie during a road trip. Um, but so they're pretty much like a passenger van that has a fiberglass top on, on the top and it's um, probably an extra foot and a half to two feet from the end of the metal van. I think
0: Aunt Catherine might have had that type of van. They would go to Courtney's rugby games, and they could turn around and kind of party inside. Yeah, yeah, they kind of.
1: The the interior was really funny. It had the like strip, like limo lights that like you could change the colors, like mood lighting. It was really funny. Um, I think mine's a '99, so it was that kind of typical like late '90s look. But um, yeah, so I stripped. I, yeah, so I started looking for that, and they were super easy to find and pretty inexpensive. I think I got mine for 3200 once I bargained him down a little bit, but um, I still see them everywhere, and I know a couple people who have them. It's really nice. I can't fully stand up because I'm 5'8", and once the insulation was in the ceiling and the floor and all that stuff, I couldn't stand up, and the curb is really hard to build in. Um, but I know people who are like 5'5", five, five and can stand up in those vans, so... If you're shorter they're really awesome because they're cheaper and if you're short it doesn't really matter like if a, someone who's six foot can stand in there because it's your van and it's your home so just kind of build it to yourself <laughs> for for your own specifications um but yeah it's nice.
0: awesome. and then you took so the first you when you took off um you came to see me in sandpoint mm-hmm. as kind of a you were you had your puppy and it was just kind of you weren't really on the road yet you were still working on your van which was awesome for me to have you there and and you did some cool projects i remember you what's the name of the the type of tie-dye it's shibori it's like shibori. a
1: japanese kind of tie-dye
0: yeah you shibori'd your white quilt it was so beautiful and just
1: ate
0: <laughs> shasta eventually ate it chesses why don't you talk about your dog That's,
1: <laughs> so that was a big fun part about getting a van because i knew when i had my van aka my own home i could have a dog and previous to that i wasn't able to because i was living with dad and the landlords like wouldn't allow dogs as much as i think he wanted he like knew it would make me so happy but um so once as soon as as soon as i was able to i of course had this plan for when i thought the van would be done and you always end up adding a month or two to whatever estimate you think your van is gonna be done but um so she's only known living in a van. Like she has no idea what it's like to live in a house. Um, but it was a huge determining factor for me to do that. And the kind of breed I got was all about my needs and how I wanted her temperament to be. Um, and she's, she's torn up a lot of things uh, because she's a German Shepherd. But she's also a goofball and makes me laugh and is so protective that it's perfect for me traveling alone. But she's so sweet. To me and once she warms up to people and she's sweet to them too but it's just really nice knowing that i just have a big dog and no one's going to want to mess with me if they have ill intentions so
0: (laughs) yeah she's a very cool dog i love shasta and so then after standpoint you went back and did a little more work on your van at your dad's and then where did you go next
1: after that once it was done i knew There's this um, van gathering in Bend, Oregon called Descend on Bend, and it's been going on, I think, for six years. They had, of course, had to skip this year, but at that point it would have been its seventh year, but it's pretty new and it started out as like a Westphalia meetup thing and then eventually just grew into general van life and bus life and just nomads potentially, even like it could be weekend warriors, just anyone who loved vans could go and uh, there's a lot of people around my age, but some older people and families. It's pretty much anyone can go. So I looked into it and I think the ticket was like a hundred bucks for four or five days, pretty much just like a camping spot. There's events. And so the plan was to leave and take my time to get up to Oregon. I think I was going to give myself like three days to get up there and kind of get acclimated a little bit more. And then of course my van breaks down as I think I was two hours away. And how to get towed right back, get everything fixed. Took four days to get everything fixed. Uh, had issues with AAA when I was trying to get towed back. They weren't going to take me where I needed to go, and so I had to pay out of pocket. And then I had to drop another six hundred dollars just on the fix. And so I booked once it was done. It was the day of the meetup, and I booked it up there. And it was fun, but also not because I was going to have an acc- like an acclimation period where I'd get used to being in the van and. That those those first few days are the is always the hardest, no matter what change you're making. Like if you move to a new city, so just have like having every habit change, my home living situation changed within a day, um, and then being surrounded by all these strangers, it was really stressful, and I was really sad. What
0: was the te- what was the temperature when you got there? What time of what time of year was it? It was. I can't remember.
1: August it was love. was it
0: hot when you got there so was part of it was the acclimation but
1: yes it was hot but it was it wasn't a hotter year it was
0: but hot. over the days like the it first was hot few in the days, daytime. Was yeah it?
1: but it wasn't awful I'd open all the doors and I had the fan going nice. so it was fine and Shasta would like take her naps under the van in the shade um
0: I remember hot. that time in those first few days and just not wanting to of course be bugging you but being worried that you were had taken an off and and during that time was there ever time that you thought oh goodness what have i done or did you realize okay this is just i just need to get used to it and meet some people or do you remember what you were thinking during that kind of time I think when I it was wasn't mostly fun? homesick like homesick. it was
1: just like i yeah. lived with dad and at home for i think that was three years after right. i graduated so i was so used to always. Ha- like, pretty much having a roommate, right? And <laughs> um, and being close to family, and then just immediately overnight going from being completely isolated and alone while being surrounded by like a thousand people at a van life gathering, so it was shocking. But I and yeah, I definitely was kind of like, why this was a bad idea, I shouldn't have gone here, um, I should have just taken it easy. Of course, I already paid for the ticket, so I was kind of like, no, I should just go, but I. Didn't I, I, I was just like, I just gotta make it through six months, like see how I like it. There's going to be a transition period, but if I don't like it after six months, then I can just stop. I can sell the van and get some money back and then have enough to rent a place, find a job and just be over it. But um, I knew I wanted to give myself a bit of some time to get acclimate because some people say it just takes a week. Sometimes people say it takes a month. So. I was like, I don't want to give up right now because it's only been two you. days, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it wasn't fun. But once I, after like three days, I think it was the last day, I finally kind of walked around more with Shasta and I was going to yoga every morning and that was helping a lot. They did like a, they hosted a yoga class every morning. So I met a couple people there and then I think one day I was walking past and I saw one of my friends from yoga and he introduced me to all of his friends and I'm still kind of in contact with them, but I went to the, there was like an impromptu wedding there, so there was like the reception at the like campfire center after they got married, at, gotten married, um, and so I ran into my friend Stavros, who now, like he introduced me to everyone I know, and him and I like, so, I mean, we just had an hour phone call yesterday, but, um, and this was a year and a half, almost a year and a half ago, this was August 2019, was it 2019?
0: And he's become one of your best friends.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's like big brother, so. He introduced me to everyone I know in Bend, and then by extension, I keep meeting new people because they meet new people. They're like the, that whole group of people is like half on the road, half like at home in Bend. So um, all the people I've met is <clears throat> excuse me is pretty much because of Stavros. And it's funny when I talk to people who have just moved into their van, I've actually kind of become sort of a Stavros to other people. Like I introduce them nice. to the other Stavros people. effect. Yeah, I guess you could call it <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, even though he's ten times more extroverted than me and like needs to be around other people, I'm just kind of like, oh, I'm going out with friends tonight. Do you want to come and join me? Mm-hmm. And and say like, yeah, they all live in vans. Like, come join. And it's really funny when I talk to people. Like, I think I have ten times the amount of like van life friends than some other people have. And I think it's because I started my van life journey at a meetup. Mm-hmm. And it's been really funny when I meet people. They're like, you were at that descend on bend, and I'm like, yeah, I was just antisocial and in an anxious ball of like of misery because I was homesick and I just moved into my van and I think
0: you were (laughs) pre-social well I know you were just getting used to yeah I just yeah I didn't
1: go out so I didn't meet anyone and so it's funny because everyone's like how did you not meet a single person there I think I only met two like one to two people there and then after the fact they were like oh you were there and I'm like yeah I just was in my van like (laughs) I just wasn't hanging out I was just reading and hanging out with my dog and but also, I didn't go and party because at that point, Shasta was still waking me up at 5.30 in the morning. So I'd go out for a hike and then come back. And then everyone was starting to wake up and get coffee. <laughs> so I was starting <laughs> my days way earlier than anyone else. But.
0: Nice. And then you stayed there, right?
1: Yeah, the plan was to go. I think initially I was like, oh, I'll go to Montana. Like, keep driving. But when I found out how alone I felt, the net, the, I changed my plan to go to Colorado because I had friends there. Um, and then changed my plan again because I didn't have the money to make it to Colorado to have like the gas money and then the buffer while I waited while I then str- like went and found a job. So I was making friends in Bend. So I was like, I might as well just stay here. I'm comfortable. I can explore more of Oregon. So then the next like two months was me trying to find a job, and then ended up staying there for another two months after that or three months after that. I forget. But um, and now I think I was yeah I was there from. Mm, may to november this uh 2021 2020 so it's yeah it's definitely my like home base where i go back and get to see familiar faces and we then go on little weekend trips together so it's really fun going back there and
0: then winter came and and you headed south right and then yeah i didn't want to
1: hang out in the winter with how my van is built it's not really built for winter and i don't have snow tires and um Yeah, it just isn't really made for winter.
0: (laughs) I remember you talking about some of the challenges of the cities and what was, you know, what were some of the differences between when you were in Bend and finding a place to sleep in your van there versus when you started to travel around in Southern California?
1: So in Oregon and more areas in Northern California and like Washington, just most of the Northern parts of the West coast, you can find amazing camping spots really close to town. So the nice thing about Bend is just like 10 minutes outside of town. You can find it's called BLM for, in this case it means Bureau of Land Management instead of Black Lives Matter, but it's public lands that you can sleep in for 14 days and then you have to move, I think like four, five miles maybe away but you can stay there indefinitely if you just keep finding new spots and it's bend is surrounded by national forest um so you can just go out and camp so it was super easy super calm um and then when i went down to southern california to follow the weather i got that travel anxiety again because i was just like unknown i don't know where i'm gonna sleep and it was excuse me super stressful um and I found out that because I have a guard dog, any sound that passes the van, she just starts barking like crazy. Um, so between the anxiety of thinking that a cop is gonna knock on your van and tell you to move in the middle of the night, um, and then my dog just barking at joggers at 4 a.m., um, it just wasn't great. Um, and I figured out a trick that, if, well, which a friend who also had dogs told me to play white noise for them, so that it kind of dis- just, like, they can't hear every single sound that's passing and it helps them sleep. So. Once I did that, it was much, much better. And I stayed in Southern California for another three months, four months after that, but it, it's not the best. It's much better to go and find BLM or national forest lands because you can really isolate yourself and some of the best nights sleep ever. And some of the campsites I found when I was in Oregon, I could sleep without covering my windows and just wake up with the sunrise. And not worry about some person creeping and looking through my window and seeing me sleeping inside. So that it's just a lot more peaceful and I feel a lot safer when I'm out in the forest, which is funny because some people feel the opposite. They'd rather be surrounded by people, but I had, I had my two issues with homeless people knocking on my van when I was city camping, not when I was out in the forest alone. Like there's no one out there to bother you.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about how in restaurants, there's this there's been this trend to allow food trucks, and when we were in Ben, there's that container restaurant place that had the containers and you know certain like city regulations that are controlling zoning and what you can put in, but then this flexibility around okay, we're gonna have this block, and it's gonna be food trucks, and it's gonna promote these small businesses who eventually will do better and move into bigger spaces like in Sandpoint there's one of the most popular Mexican restaurants um, that started as a food truck and now is a successful place so it it, have you ever heard of any cities that have created like a little almost like village because one of the problems for you was were the laws right like in San Diego like it seems like they need to have an, an area you know it's good for the environment that someone's in a tiny house and you're living very environmentally conscious and have you ever heard of anything like that
1: well so the issue with those in laws cities. in like in san diego san diego county is more that they are trying to deter homelessness and people settling their living in their cars right so they had these rules that like you can't be sleeping in your vehicle between this time or like you can't even like I think I got a ticket in Encinitas for being a recreational vehicle parked between 10 and 6 a.m. and even though my van was registered as a passenger van not an RV um, and it's more for that and so actually in Encinitas they did create a parking lot that you can go at a certain time it was mostly for homeless people though so because I oh. could pass as a street, as a van, because I knew where to park. I wasn't leaving a mess after. I was leaving before the sun came up. Um, I just didn't want to take a homeless person's spot in one of those places. And having a dog, I don't, I make sure when I was in cities, I'd like hang out at a park until like 9 30, 10 before, like right before I'd go and find my spot to go to sleep. Um, and I'd let Shasta out there instead of, because I don't want to. Leave my. I want to. If I found a spot, I'd park it and turn the lights off and go to bed because I didn't want to, for my own safety, get out of my van, expose myself as a solo female traveler, right? To let my dog out to pee. Um, so I'd always let her out. So staying in just a homeless camp, I wouldn't say is the most safe thing for me alone, but also I just would feel bad taking someone's spot and then I them remember getting you telling me
0: that. Yeah, so it's
1: it's more like I, I can get away with I it, remember that. so that I'd rather very... give them their the spot that they need because oh. they don't have an option. I'm doing it voluntarily. That's right. the whole, like I'm, I'm not sand. homeless. Right. And yeah, that's the, that's the thing we like to say. We're not homeless. We're houseless. But we're, <laughs> like our home is our van, but for a lot of people who are homeless, it's that they've been kicked out of where they have to, where they would rather be. Not yeah. a lot of homeless people would prefer to live in their cars. Um. So I just, because I can get away with it for a little while and bounce around, I know how to stay under the radar when I'm in cities. I'm. I just rather do that
0: when I asked the question and you were responding, I was thinking, gosh, what I just described was basically a campground, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, <laughs> but not a campground in something, you know, something that's in the woods that you're paying for with these services, just something a little more in between, you know, this homeless place where you're exactly. supporting this movement of people who are moving around in this whole tiny home movement that's something in between in cities where you don't have to totally avoid the place because you being there you know you're not going out a lot but anytime there are people coming in it helps the the businesses and everything too yeah that's so.
1: the, the hard thing with that because and it's only it's like they really crack down once a year which is winter when all of the snowbirds from from like the snowy areas comes to Southern oh, california gotcha. And that's usually where they stop in San Diego to cross the border. So that's when most of the tickets are handed out because there's so many people in vans passing through for like a week through January and February. So that's really the worst time. But it's, yeah, I don't, I think I've seen some people having the idea, but it's never in cities. Like there's, it's really hard to find enough land. It'd get booked up really quickly and people would book like, that's a week in true. advance, and then yeah. you'd be like, if you were just needing a spot for the night, then you'd be and screwed. And that land's and then still so, so
0: valuable, you'd have to have the 20 tower yeah. van life yeah, structure. Be, yeah, no one wants it. to sleep in a, in a parking garage. <laughs> exactly. <so. laughs> okay. Yeah, I found some
1: cool spots that were like in like really wealthy neighborhoods. So I was like a block away from the beach, and Ben could just drive to the beach, let Shasta out to go to the bathroom, hang out there for sunrise, and I take her to the dog park. Like I'd, it was a really nice period because it yeah it was awesome that I could like park in a wealthy safe neighborhood and uh, roll in at night and then leave before the sun rose and no one knew I was there so
0: one of the things I was curious about is um when you remodeled your van you used some used things or tried to and where do you go to kind of find those things um you know things you need to turn it into a house
1: so i think most of the stuff for this current van was new there's a couple things like my subfloor and i think shasta's first platform for her seat um in the front was made out of an old pallet. but yeah so it was all like that stuff so you can find pallets like on craigslist or facebook marketplace most people are giving them away for free I wouldn't suggest buying them like ever because you can find them for free so quickly. Um, and that's the same for any, so with the next thing I'm wanting to get, most of what I want to buy is going to hopefully be secondhand just to save money, but um, again, just Craigslist, Facebook marketplace, probably eBay for certain things, like i want to mm-hmm. get a wood burning stove and if I, I'll probably find one on eBay because it'll just widen the search and still be cheaper than buying a $500 wood stove.
0: And what are you looking for? Oh, um, for yeah. For your next house.
1: Next, but my next house is going to be a bus, <laughs> a little short bus. Yeah, not little compared to my current van, but littler compared to a full-size, like, 50-foot school bus. <laughs> this one will probably be, like, 25 feet long.
0: So I guess going back to that, you know, you gave yourself six months. At what point were you like, oh, this is, this is definitely something I want to keep doing, kind of when you settled in a van?
1: Yeah, it was probably in the first couple weeks because I started, like, because I think Stavros was still in town, so it was like I was getting, like, my friends were recognizing me, like, out and about, and I was like, this feels really nice, and I, can't, I think I camped with Stavros for two months, so it was nice to kind of get my foot in with someone who was, cause I think at that point he was living in his van for two and a half years, so it was nice to hang out with a dude that knew, or just a human that knew what they were doing, and give me some pointers um, when I had a question. And um, he's not one to hold back his advice, uh, whether or not you want it, but um, <laughs> it, yeah. So I think after like two weeks, I was probably like, yeah, this is cool. I'm into it. But it wasn't until I think I went down to San Diego and, and Ventura, it was like, this is what I want to do. And I, it took me a while to find a remote job. I was working, well, the first, when I was in Bend, I found a location dependent job. I was working at a tap room and it was not nice to have the flexibility to kind of park wherever i wanted to like if i did want to if i had a late night i could in theory park near work but i just didn't i'd rather go drive the 15 minutes to get out to the to the forest and have a quiet night's sleep um and then i was trying to find a remote job or no sorry i was trying to find a location dependent job in san diego and this whole time from the start of finding the job in bend I was checking every week, every couple days almost, actually, to find a remote job and finally found one um, like a month or so being in San Diego. And once that happened, it completely changed the whole experience because I had the freedom to go anywhere and I didn't have to plan where I was going to be living next with where I would like to work. So that was... Awesome. And it became a whole nother sort of anxiety for me of like, where do I go? I could go anywhere and work anywhere. How, how long should I stay here? Do I want to stay here a week and go on to the next place? So that uncertainty became a whole nother thing to overcome. And all, like the opportunities just opened up for me with where I wanted to go. So that was really fun. But and there's now thinking back, I'm like, oh, I wish I stayed an extra week at this one place. And but you can always go back.
0: So you can always go back. Yeah, that's right. Well, what? how would you describe the different types of van lifers? And then the other question I had, and I keep, I'm not very skilled at this. I'm piling multiple questions on you at one time. Just, it strikes me that a lot of van lifers care about the environment and you're living a small footprint in your small house. Um, you know, just how do you think Van lifers are helping issues like climate change or the environment, and then maybe the different types. Because I know there are people like you are doing it to travel. Um, There might be some you. We were talking earlier about people that sell a house and buy the Mercedes Sprinter. Is that the Mm -hmm. Mercedes brand? Um, And just when you've been on the road, what are how would you describe the different types of people out there? And I know that's there's all kinds of. people but
1: um well it so there's this kind of hard thing that i think a lot of van lifers don't want to acknowledge it's that especially for the ones who travel a lot their carbon footprint is huge because they're buying gas and they're driving all over the country they're spending like i think a lot of people their gas budget per month is like 500 so or more depending on how fast they're moving so the gas consumption isn't great so i know a lot of people who are thinking more about Their mpgs with what they're getting, they usually get the sprinter because that's the most um, fuel efficient one. Um, That's not the only reason why people buy sprinters, it's why a decent that's a consideration for a lot of people. But um, and also being diesel, it is, I think they say it's supposed to last longer. Um, I've heard, I mean, I know people who had to replace an engine at, at like two, at like maybe 18. 180,000 miles and it's supposed to go 500,000 miles so it's like that doesn't sound right but (laughs) (laughs) um but in terms of like different people I mean everyone like because I've seen like really like you call them crunchy hippies living in a nice quote-unquote nice Mercedes Sprinter uh but for a long time the Sprinter was really the only high top van you could get so until like the Ford Transit and the Ram Promaster came out, that was the only van you could get that you could stand up in with a metal body. So you could you could get the fiberglass tops for uh, like a Ford Econoline or something. And I have a friend who just got, I think his top is like, three feet that he put on top of the Ford. <laughs> wow. line. So he can stand up in it, but he, he probably spent a total between the cost of the van and the fiberglass top. Because Apparently there's only like two or three places in the country where you can get a high class custom or not high class, high quality custom um, fiberglass top, like fully fabricated for your vehicle. And one luckily happened to be in San Diego where he lived, but I think he spent 15,000 compared to maybe 50 for a Sprinter. So there's a lot more options now. Um, nice. And I think like people who live in like the VW Westphalias, I find just kind of have this passion for older vehicles. Mm-hmm. And some get annoyed by it because they didn't know what they were getting into when they got one. But um, a lot of them either have a community. There's a whole community of people who like West- Westies. And same with it's called schoolies, the school buses. Um, that's a whole nother community and, um, but everyone's pr- like pretty much on equal terms with each other. It's mm-hmm. just because per- it's completely personal preference. Um,
0: well, I wonder what has anyone, I wonder what the footprint it would be easy to find out. Um, like the footprint of a smaller house, not a crazy house, a couple bedroom house, and then just taking a van that's maybe spending a week at a time and traveling around and Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, not that everyone could just <laughs> <laughs> move into the vans, but it just strikes me as you're definitely paring down often. You could get a big storage and keep all your stuff, but it seems like a lot of people pare down it forces you to pare down.
1: Yeah, you are forced into minimalism. Um, and a lot of people I know who sell their houses sell a lot of their stuff and that's how they fund It, too, is selling their belongings. I sold a decent amount. I think I probably made maybe 500 bucks on my furniture that I sold, so I didn't have a lot of stuff to begin with, so...
0: Yeah. Well, uh, One More Years is a Pedro the Water Dog Saves a Planet book. It's the first one, and the theme is convincing people to keep their stuff longer and buy less stuff um, to try to help the planet, and this podcast hopefully is going to talk to people about things they've had for a long time and I was just curious is there anything I know mm-hmm. I asked you and you said Shasta had eaten some things but are there any <laughs> anything that you can think of that, that survived. you still use <laughs> and that is something you've kept versus buy new because you either love it or it's lasted
1: um yeah I mean so we came across the fact that my headlamp that I use very frequently is from college I got it when I was in one of my biology classes we were out in the swamp um so i had to have a headlamp so i could catch frogs Uh, (laughs) and for some reason i just thought like i'd probably be able to use it when i was in the van and sure enough i use it all the time and it's really funny when i meet new van lifers they're like "You," you," because i'll like come out at night wearing a headlamp they're like you look like a dork and i'm like hands free baby like i can pull my pants (laughs) down and pee out in the woods and cook my dinner and not have to hold my phone or a normal flashlight or like i know people who hold flashlights in their mouths like it's just, it's so nice to be, to have your hands free to do whatever you need to do. And that's the whole point of them. And I actually have two now. I, I lost, I thought I lost my one from college. So I replaced it with something else. I found it, uh, I think AutoZone or something. And then I, now I have two and I use them both like interchangeably. And so. Nice. But, and I think until Shasta chewed them up like four months ago, I had these Birkenstocks that I got graduated. It was like my graduation gift from high school when I was 18. So I think they lasted me just under six years. Nice. And so they would have lasted longer if my dog wasn't a piranha and ate everything in sight. But she likes leather and expensive things. She's got expensive taste. But
0: yeah, and you bought your van used, and you're about to probably buy the little bus yeah. used. That's and pretty awesome. Much everything
1: that I buy now is secondhand. All of my clothing, or um, I mean, the overalls I'm wearing right now were hand-me-downs from a friend. Um, she couldn't return them anymore, and another mine and i mean the sweatshirt is new but it was it's a sustainable brand because i hate fast fashion it's awful
0: nice yeah
1: but yeah i feel like yeah for me it's it just became it was like a natural progression once i just started learning more about the environmental and ethical impacts of certain industries um and how fast like landfills were filling up but um yeah, it's, I don't know, just slowly became a really natural progression to where I'm at now.
0: That leads me into the next thing I was going to ask you is about your blog, and it's called Stray With Me, and you write about different environmental topics and maybe talk about your blog and the different things, and you're, and you're vegan.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm mostly vegan. I kind of identify as like a vegan-except uh-huh. Where you say like for me I'm vegan except eggs and occasionally cheese cheese, but I cheese doesn't agree with me, so I don't really eat it as much for just my own <laughs> tummy health. But <laughs> um yeah, so I started the blog and it was called Just Jesse initially. And I forgot about that. Yeah, so it started as just 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 Jesse. I think it was that for maybe a year. Um and then it was more like kind of a Uh, like a diary for my travels i wanted it to be informative about traveling but then when i went to india i was just learning a lot about myself and there was a lot of meditative practices that we learned so it was a very reflective part of my blog for a while and then i was also very into makeup and cruelty free and vegan makeup because i think if you're wearing cosmetics. It's a luxury. You don't need to be testing on animals. It's not meta. It's not medically necessary to Mm -hmm. test on animals. We have the technology now that we don't need to do that. So that was kind of the initial goal with the blog was to kind of spread and it still is to spread, um, to more people, these ideas that I really believe in. And I think when I started the blog, I was very hardcore vegan. Um, and so I was sharing a couple of recipes, not my own recipes, because I wasn't. I was learning how to cook, because mm-hmm. um, of course dad isn't a, isn't a <laughs> vegetable eater, so I didn't know how to cook <laughs> a single vegetable. So I had to learn that on my own, but it was really fun. So I was sharing good recipes I found on Pinterest, um, and then started traveling a little bit more when I went to Aust- when I went to Australia, New Zealand, and Bali. That became more a bit of a. I think I did like weekly reflections, but I also did like itineraries and things like that, and i choose, I think, yeah, I was going to vegan, amazing vegan restaurants in Australia, so I was putting that in my itinerary. There's this awesome vegan deli in Melbourne, and it was, oh, it was so good. I still dream about that but, um, <laughs> vegan Cuban. I don't think I'll ever have another Cuban in my life unless I go back to Melbourne, but. Oh, it sounds um, so good. Yeah, so it was, it was delicious. They used the best, like, vegan meat, but, um, but, yeah, now it's stray with me. It's, it's now, like, the third name it's gone under, but it's the most kind of, vibes well with me with how I feel like it's gonna progress for the rest of my life but um yeah so now I I do write a lot about van life um and traveling alone and while I feel like van life is growing and becoming more and more saturated there's I kind of take the stance because I most popular people in van life have really big vans and you kind of think that that's the only way to do it right and if I had the vehicle that could fit a human in a full-size dog, I probably wouldn't have gotten a van. I would have just done it in like, if I had an SUV, I could have done it in an SUV, but I had a mini Cooper. So there was no way I was fitting my five, eight long, five foot eight long self and now 70 pound dog sleeping in a (laughs) mini Cooper. um, That's covered in windows. So um, I ended up getting a pretty cheap van compared to what other people do. And I found a lot of people really like the content I've, made about like how to build in a small van how to make these style and functionality choices for the van that i have um i've by no means have gone viral or anything anything i've done but it like it's fun seeing the few people i've helped who are strangers comment and be like this was really important like i've had a couple people say hey where's your tour like i really want to see what you end up doing inside because i don't really show the inside of my van because i love the exterior of my van it's this the cool like vintage stripe like green and beige from the
0: 90s it's so Um, nice and you're staying with me for a couple weeks and you brought your truck refrigerator in here and i'm noticing that it just went zoomed on and i can hear it in the background that's funny Mm -hmm. um what do you think the average person can do to help the planet and kind of help with climate change and then i I was curious, you know, you've been with me a few weeks lately, you know, in between with what's going on with the sequestering, and have you noticed anything that you think I could do better? You've really influenced me Mm -hmm. with meat, Mm -hmm. and last year I tried, instead of meatless Mondays, I tried to do meatless six days and just have one day if I wanted to have meat, and it really helped. Meaty Monday. meaty, meaty Monday. Me- meaty Monday. <laughs> and then this year, other than those, I told you those couple of cans of smoked oysters I had t- the first part of the year, we're on, it's the 12th of January. And my goal is to, you know, not eat meat this year. Um, other those little, yeah, little I mean, I oysters the I thing ate. I big
1: not buying new things. Like that's a huge, like we don't realize how- that we really don't need to go do shopping, like clothing or, I don't know. I remember when I was living with dad, the last place I lived in, it was like a little like suite, like apartment. And I think after six months, I was like, oh, I'm tired of my duvet. And so I replaced the duvet and I'm like, you don't need to redecorate every six months and then waste money and resources on something that is just unnecessary it
0: has a fleeting pleasure yeah. But then after you have it it's yeah. like oh
1: so like cl- like we've been tricked to think that we need to buy clothing if we're sad or anything like and the fact that stores and I actually i feel bad it's hard because i have this bittersweet feeling where I, uh, forever 21 went out of business And they're one of the worst offenders of fast fashion.
0: I didn't realize they went out of business. So
1: I feel bad for the people who worked there and all the jobs lost. But I'm also not sad that a huge huge driver of fast fashion is out of business. Just
0: recently due to...
1: Due to COVID, yeah. Because they can't do retail stores. Yeah, so um, I think there's a few stores that have kind of gone... Like big stores have gone out of business. But they do it's called like micro what is it micro seasons what they call it It's weekly seasons so 52 micro seasons that each week anytime so the big thing with like forever 21 and h&m any every time you go into a store they will have new things and what happens to the things that are out of season or an out of season means it was in season a week ago so that's just really bad once i realized i did yeah i wrote a really comprehensive blog post about fast fashion and it was just shocking that that's the we used to think that a season was a season four months like or four seasons winter summer spring fall that was it and now it's every week is a new season in the clothing industry and it's super just bad for the environment it's all this waste but it's impacting humans with the like the the factories that's something that just really bugs me because people have died in factory deaths like And that just is so sad that that we've created this industry that kills people and then doesn't, there's people, I don't know too, like with Marshalls, people think that if you go to Marshalls, you're buying clothes that is like leftovers from stores, but it's not, they're making like lesser quality clothing to sell to Marshalls and TJ Maxx. And it's just the same, like it's the exact same mindset or same, um, what's the word? Like not formatting, but it's the same. Like
0: yeah, they trick you into thinking that oh, what these it's it's helping, okay because yeah. you're buying something that no you're one buying else the, bought. The it's extras. right. Like they overproduce, but they're actually producing for They're those. producing it
1: for those stores, yeah. and I think potentially it started that way, but they grew in popularity that now they create a line for to like sell off to those stores like Marshalls and TJ Maxx. So
0: right, and they um, showed in one article I saw how they were just trashing these clothes like throwing them in the garbage and i think some countries have put some laws in place where they have to you know they can't just throw that stuff into the trash yeah
1: they'll send them to third to developing countries but usually they end up they still end up in a landfill they ship them off to developing countries to kind of pick through and then just get rid of them again so Mm -hmm. there's never really that But so I think shifting from buying from a store to buying secondhand, um, I, a while ago, I think just from the mindset of saving money, I started buying things that, like from brands I like from Poshmark. And I think I can, like, I, I was, because I love, for a while I was doing a lot of yoga and really loved yoga pants because I was wearing them all the time. And one of my favorite brands, Aloe Yoga, is like on par with Lululemon, but they're 100, over $100 for a pair of leggings. So go to Poshmark, buy the same ones for $60 instead. And they are pretty much brand new. Someone probably wore them once. And I think there's a lot of like yoga influencers on Instagram that they just get sent, which is also kind of damaging too, because these for the environment, like they send the send these influencers this, these clothing items that they wear once for a photo, and then they do it again in a couple months. Send them a whole nother batch of their entire line so actually a lot of influencers sell off their clothes that they got for free huh. so you can get pretty much brand new clothing that is washed or i mean just wash it yourself too once you get it is highly recommended but um so it started as a money saving thing and then it just became yeah i just think it's stupid now to yeah. buy anything new because you're saving <laughs> so much money and you can get like i found birkenstocks for 40 bucks like pretty much brand new those things are like 120 dollars brand new too so like when you buy it from the store
0: um, yeah I as you know I, I hope to do a, a bicycle tour and I'm hoping to put everything together you know as much used stuff when I was you know the, my grandma uh, in in her time you'd buy there were just a couple of seasons and you'd buy yourself a nice camel hair coat and then you'd have it for your lifetime and
1: things lasted so much longer before now things are made to deteriorate So, which is another benefit of shopping vintage is that they are made to last decades so when you're buying something that's secondhand most likely vintage even from 20 years ago it's probably going to last another 40 because if it was taken care of well and if you take care of it well then it's going to last but those stores when you buy them they are only meant to last like a month and they even start breaking down when you wash them like you put like a t-shirt on and it rips like those things aren't meant to be worn very long and they want you to go back to the store and buy more so right it's just it's an endless cycle that once you realize how deep it goes then you can kind of break free of it and i think that's a really good easy step to start for people because people like buying clothes so it's just becomes kind of more of a game and a hunt when you start thinking about buying things secondhand it also makes you think more critically about what you actually need Mm-hmm. And But I know plenty of people that have massive closets still, but it's all secondhand. And so they love clothing, but they knew about the impact. But they're mm-hmm. like, well, just buy it secondhand and help the environment a little bit more by doing it that way.
0: Right. That's a good mm-hmm. suggestion. But in well, terms of
1: you, because I didn't answer that question. Oh, that's right.
0: Um, <laughs> I haven't really noticed
1: anything. Maybe, I mean, I think cause the next step for a lot of people is buying less single-use plastics. Yes. So that's the next thing. But, I, I mean, you're wearing my hand-me-down to a couple of things of mine so <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were joking that me downs used to go the other way and now they they go from <laughs> jesse to me yes when, when you're here with me i'd like to talk to you about some of those ideas for how i can change out a few more things um and we can things you know that i could buy yeah like yeah
1: produce bags those are hard but you just buy yeah. the cotton ones
0: what about saran wrap you just buy the containers beeswax Bees- the beeswax wraps okay
1: but then also you can just do Tupperware, do like put things yeah. in Tupperware instead of using saran wrap. Um, yeah. But yeah, the beeswax wraps things are cool. And I got, um, I have these like, you see those like silicone stasher bags for like Ziploc bags? I don't, they're great, they're expensive though. So it's like 20 bucks for a single bag. So I found these reusable Ziploc bags on Amazon for like 10 bucks for 30 bags, I think, and of different sizes so
0: what really make cool. them what makes them more reusable than a regular is it? practice Plastic. okay so you can wash them you and wash then dry them out yep. gotcha interesting well we're almost to the end i just have two more questions unless you think of anything else um do you think living with the dog helps us help the planet <laughs> This is Pedro the Water Dog Saves the Planet series, and you have a dog, and I have a dog. My dog is Teo, by the way. He's a Portuguese water dog. I don't
1: know. I mean, I think it can make you, depending on the dog, it can make you get outside more and make you appreciate it more. I agree. But, I mean, sometimes most of my trash is Shasta's treats and (laughs) things like that. So it's like, I don't know about that. Let's
0: keep it on. Let's keep it real. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's a puppy.
1: Well, she's, she's about to be two in a couple months, but she needs a lot of training she's super smart so i go through treats really fast and so yeah it's like that's the one thing that's annoying yeah bags of treats are always packed in plastic and there's not really unless you make them yourself
0: yeah there's an opportunity there i think dog, but. to make that someone to but make that like a, i'll have to search up search it up she and see if it could find nose. some
1: she's pulled out, like she part of how she's like ripped some of my bedding and i've had to replace it she which is another thing, she's not so environmentally friendly because I have to replace things constantly because she's eating <laughs> She's things. older now. Hopefully that'll improve. Yeah, it slowed down, but for a while. I think she's gone through, like, through four phone cords and, like, 15 pairs of underwear, a few socks, plenty of shoes, three blankets, <laughs> like, and two, I think, two sets of sheets because she just rips them and I can't fix I think I sewed my one of my comforters once, and then it, she ripped it again. But... Um, but yeah, I, she can smell things. That's how she ripped my, my sheets was that she could smell the treats on the bed, holds the blankets down, got the treats, ate them. So they kind of, for her and dogs like her, she probably need it to be in plastic to, like, seal off the scent or leave it open. She but can it smell
0: could be, you say, in maybe some other type of container, like a steel case. it
1: be very expensive. <laughs> so that's probably where you can go to, like, Petco and refill. That would be a good option Yeah. to come to with your it. Tupperware or your mason jar if you're trying to, like, be all hippie And trendy <laughs> about it with a mason <laughs> jar, but put it into because they have those like it's like a it's a uh, what's it called um like a bulk. Treat section. Yes. So that'd be a good way to reduce your plastic for treats. Yeah. But nice. It just, I don't know. I don't think they, I think they do potentially have the calorie count and like ingredients. I, that's just where I just feel nervous. Cause I don't think they always have the ingredients and the Shasta having a sense of stomach. I have to be wary about what I get her, but yeah, mm. I wouldn't say right now she's the most environmentally friendly dog, <laughs>
0: but hopefully in the future. Can, when that she can be to a goal things, for this year. Make my dog. Can re, we can revisit it. <laughs> well, yes. And I think getting outside with your dog, that, that makes you think about the environment and then the sense of community. Now we're kind of sequestered, but when you get out with your dog that brings us together. So I think those would be my things about how dogs help the planet. And then makes I guess happy
1: makes happy people make the planet better.
0: That's true. Yeah, it gives <laughs> you gives you hope. I guess I just wanted to add that that you were the inspiration for one more year and there's a scene in the book where Tilly's talking about this one more year idea and asking people to keep their things one more year. So when you need a new cell phone rather than just rushing out and getting it or something breaks, that you try to fix it. Do
1: you see the million, million cracks in my yes. cell phone that hasn't been fixed? <laughs> <laughs> when, you're,
0: so. when your mind thinks about, okay, I need to buy this thing, can you fix it? Can you buy it used? But we were on a hike and it was New Year's. Um, a few years ago, I want to say three years ago, it could be four, and we were, we climbed did that hike in Calistoga, and we are at the top of that hill, and it was really beautiful. And you just looked out, and somehow we got on the subject of mountains and coal. And you just pulled your hoodie, your uh, cap down over your eyes, and you just said, "Did you did you know when they are mining for coal, they cut the tops off of mountains, and they don't put them back?" And you <laughs> pulled that your cap down and there's a scene in the book that Mm -hmm. i used for that but you've had such a love for the planet and had (laughs) you've had during your life and you continue to have i was like when did i stop (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much No problem thank you for being on the first episode and just i need to say i love you love you too do a cheers here they didn't know we were having a beer, but now they yeah. do. Clink, clink. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me for the Pater the Water Dog Peace Podcast. Until next time, sit with yourself in silence every day. That self with a capital S. We are all scholars of peace. Peace and love to you all. Follow Jesse Leonard at Stray with Me. And you can find Jessie's book of poetry, A Journey to Find My Broken Pieces, and her naturally dyed products on her website, straywithme.co. Podcast music is Dalai Lama Riding a Bike by Javier Peque Rodriguez. A link to his music on Spotify and Bandcamp are in the show notes. Support messages of peace in the planet by joining my Patreon for as little as a cup of coffee per month at patreon.com. Just search Ava's Kolfsbeck or Pedro the Water Dog to find me. Pedro the Water Dog Saves the Planet books 1 through 5 are available at all your favorite online bookstores or at Avaskolfspec.com. Book 1, One More Year, is available as an audiobook on all the audiobook sites with the other books coming soon to audio. If you enjoyed this episode or are at least curious about the future ones, Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thank you again. Listen for the peace.